Pastor Josh, and on behalf of my wife Jessica, the rest of our team, we're so glad you're hanging out with us today. This is Daniel Nino. This is our worship leader. Get up for Daniel. Yeah. He's helping me preach the sermon today. He's had his Red Bull. We're ready to go. Um, but before we jump into this week, this week we're preaching the heart of worship. So I've asked our worship leader to be with us today, who we're so grateful for. Not only has he led worship uh, at many great churches here in our area, but he's also led worship um, all over the world, really, in many different countries and lots of different expressions. And so uh, excited to tap into some of the depth that he has uh, when it comes to worship and talking about worship. But before we jump into the sermon, uh, we did together prepare a little duet. And so we're going to do that real quick. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, what do you, what am I, what am I, what am I, I'm supposed to say, do, re, mi, fa, right? So, I know, I know, that's a thing, oh, okay, okay. I don't know the warm-ups, but okay, I'll stick to preaching, okay? All right, let's pray, and we'll jump into it. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the way that you love us and lead us, and Lord, we know that your word helps us find freedom and discover your truths for our lives, and so God, I pray that as we talk about you and your word, Lord, I pray that you... You bring us revelation today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my favorite things as being a pastor, uh, being a pastor is, you know, I get to be connected to a lot of other pastors and churches, uh, but in our area and any area, really, uh, it also means a lot of different denominations. And so we have a lot of reformed churches in our area, uh, in case you drive blindly and don't notice. Um, and so some of my pastor friends in the area of reformed, and so we love to kind of tease each other about different denominational sort of um, patterns or just different habits or whatever you would say. And so one of the things uh, one of my really good Reformed pastor friends gets me on is uh, we'll be talking about services or how we're maybe planning Easter or doing this kind of thing. And I'll say, yeah, we're doing this. And then in this service, that's when we're going to have worship. And he's like, excuse me, uh, our whole life is worship unto the Lord. He's like, you mean song service, the part of the song service. And uh, there's truth in that. And uh, and I want to say that today, as much as we're going to be using the word worship and the expression of worship and how we express ourselves in music. Um, worship is a lifestyle. You know, we worship God with our money. We worship God with our time. We worship God with the way that we lend an ear to other people and listen and show compassion and understanding. There's all these different expressions of worship. But today we wanted to kind of take a minute and uh, just talk about what the Bible says about what we do in church, worshiping, and why we have song service and, and go through some of the things. And then also some of the things that you might notice in worship. You know, you come from a different background. Maybe you see someone raise a hand or maybe somebody might kneel or somebody might shout. And you're like, where's all that coming from? I'm going to show you as the pastor uh, where we see some of that in scripture. And then I'm going to let Daniel preach kind of the second half, kind of a little bit more depth to it. But I always think it's really funny when people say to me as a pastor, like, oh, you're one of those churches that like, they might raise their hand when you sing. That's so weird. And I'm like, well, we actually express our gratitude and our worship and our love in a whole bunch of weird ways all throughout our normal ways of living. And we don't call it weird. I mean, let's be honest. You walk up and down the road with your spouse or significant other, and you're walking down the road a hundred degree day, and you guys are holding hands, mashing sweaty hands together, like so weird. Why are you like, you know what we need to do? Put our hands together right now. It's a weird expression, but we get it. I mean, I can't go too far into all of this, but even hugging. I love you so much. Let's press our bodies together right now. 
<laughs> it's like, where do we? But these expressions, maybe you might write a card or, or, or a poem or write a song or sing a song or send a song. We do all of these expressions of what's going on in our heart and our natural world. And then when we come into church, we're like, why would they raise a hand? What weirdos? And it's like, no, we're expressing. It's an outward expression of what God is doing on the inside. And I think it's really important. Worship is really important to God. If we think about the first commandment God said was, hey, do not worship anything before me. Don't have any other gods before me. He's saying, you know, if you want to live the life that God created you to live, you've got to make sure that worship unto God is number one. Amen. Later, they ask him, the disciples, they're asking, the people are asking him, they say, hey, you know, like, what's the greatest of all the commands? He said, it's this. You got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. You can continue with all your might, with all your thought, with all your time. He's saying what? You got to make sure your worship to God comes before everything. And then it says, and love your neighbor uh, as yourself. So this idea of putting God first in worship and everything we do is so important. Luke chapter 19, verse 37, gives us an interesting picture too into how important crying out and expressing worship is. It says this, when he came near the place where the crowd goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise, in, praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. They began worshiping and expressing. They said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees, though, some of the religious folks, some of the religious type said, teacher, rebuke your disciples, quiet these people down. And he said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I wrote it down like this. If quietness happens among the people, even the stones will cry out. Why? Because this world was made for worship. This, what we're walking and what we live in, God created worship and he, and he desires worship. And so uh, it's important for us as the people of God to be a people who worship. <clears throat> Psalms uh, gives us probably the most references for the different types of worship. Of course, it's the, got a great shot at it because it's got the most books of all the other books of the Bible. But I've picked seven different phrases that have to do with worship. And I'm going to give you some of the explanation of what the Bible says and how we get some of our expression. So seven of them, then we'll turn it over to Daniel. But the first word that we see uh, in one of the Psalms is this word halil, uh, which is where we get the word hallelujah. It means this, to rave, to boast, or to celebrate. Psalm 35, 18 in the New Living Translation says, I will thank you in front of the great assembly. I will praise you before all the people. That is this public hallelujah that we should come and offer. You know, this Sunday morning expression is not a spectator thing. You know, when we come in, I wonder what songs they're going to sing, and I wonder what they're going to do. No, we come in because from the inside of us, there's this hallelujah that's, that's just dying to come out. Are you with me? And so another word that we see in Psalm is this yada, which means to acknowledge in public, uh, to acknowledge with raised hands, to say, God, I, I acknowledge you as my Lord, my Savior, my everything. Uh, you're my King of kings. You're above all things. Psalm 138.1 says it this way, I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I'm all in on this. You know, we got to remind ourselves when we come into church and it's song service or worship time, whatever we'll call it, we got to say, God, I'm coming in here and I'm going to do this with all my heart. I'm going to do this with all my heart. Number three is this word, Barak. Uh, it means to bless by kneeling or bowing. It's a posture of surrender. You may somebody see somebody in a church service. They're, they're either in their seat or they might come down to an altar and kneel. They're saying, God, I'm, I'm in this honoring posture of, of surrendering before you because I know you're the one who holds it all together. I do not. Can I get amen today? Yeah. Psalm 103.1 says this, Praise the Lord, O my soul, from my inmost being, praise your holy name. 
from the core of me, I'm going to be somebody who prays. Uh, number four is this word zamar, which means making music to God with strings. Psalm 92 verse 1 says, It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, especially with an electric guitar. <laughs> yes, it's the, it's the Daniel Nino version. Uh, but it's saying, hey, it is a good thing when we put these instruments together and we come together and we worship and we express from the inside out uh, how we feel about our God. Number five is this word shabak, which means to address in a loud tone or to shout. Uh, maybe you've ever been in a service that has a charismatic, charismatic expression in a service and you hear somebody get a shout going. They're, they're actually living this out. Uh, Psalm 50 verse 23 says, he who offers praise glorifies me. And to him that orders his conversation aright, I will show the salvation of God. So there's this revelation of God and who he is and his salvation as we, as we order our words of praise. Shouting out is one of those things that people say, oh, I can't believe I was at a church and there was this guy. He was shouting. What a crazy place. What a cult. Uh, I was at the Michigan versus Ohio State uh, game this past fall. And how um, I many you know there were some crazies there, 113,000. It's freezing cold. Everybody dressed up in all their weird stuff. And, uh, you know, what's amazing about like a football game is we don't think it's odd at all to shout for something. You, you get a guy who, who busts the, the ball around the edge. And so now he's made around the edge and he's running. And every guy starts yelling that dude's name. Run, JJ. We're, we're lifting up our praise unto this. One of the, one of the most like shared and, uh, and like highlight moments of that game Gus Johnson called the game on Fox. He was the commentator of it. And toward the end of the game, to sort of seal the deal, one of our defensive linemen made a really big sack and uh, got the quarterback and sort of ended the series. And Gus Johnson is known for like this historic call. He yells out, David Ojabo. And so all us Michigan fans, we're, we're doing this. We're shouting out loud this guy's name. Isn't it funny in the real world? We're like, oh, that's so weird. You're going to shout out to what? Our King of Kings who saved our lives, who saved us. From, are you with me? If you go to any concert, the person comes out, Bieber! <laughs> I mean, Dan, that's Daniel's reference. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm preaching a little bit. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny, we come in here, we say, I can't believe that guy shouted. Oh, look at all the other things that we, you know, let's shout unto the one who's worthy of it all. Amen. Number six is Toda. Sounds like Yoda, but Toda. Uh, it means to lift hands in adoration, Psalm 63, 3 and 4. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name, I will lift my hands. In God's name, I'm lifting my hands because your love is better than life. And so I surrender. Many of you have been taught, you know, when we raise our hands, it's a sign of surrender. God, I surrender. Uh, another one is, is to be reaching up to our Father who holds it all together. God, just in this posture, I'm worshiping and, 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 and looking unto you. Amen. Number seven, and it's the last one that I brought, is this word tehila. It means exuberant singing. Some of you have gotten close to this. It was tequila, and you did exuberant singing. <laughs> but it's not that. That's not what we're talking about. It means Psalm 34, 1, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. It's this, I'm continuing to sing. You've heard the scripture say, uh, uh, even sing a new song. Uh, you just get into a place of worship and sing. Are you with me? Psalm 108, verses 1 says, O oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. That's that word, Zamar. Even with my glory, I will praise. I will yadha with instruments. And uh, thee, uh, thee, O Lord, among the people, I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. 
I believe this. This is the truth of worship. Worship is expressed. If you love and adore anything, you express it. Even down to the simple things. Oh, man, you tried that new restaurant? Yeah, you got to go there. I'm expressing my adoration for this thing that moved me in my life. Now, that's a bad example in comparison to our God. But if God has saved you and set you free and he's moving in your life, it should cause you to express your worship unto that. Amen? And I'm going to let Daniel kind of run with, with some of the deeper, again, his experiences as he kind of every single week takes us into, all right, now what does that look like in a deeper context? So have at it. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for sharing that. I really feel like I learned something new. Um, you know, we need to worship God with uh, Shabbat, with uh, tequila, and with a Barack Obama. Or something. <laughs> that Close. Um, that's, that's our third service expression. Okay. It's going to be a big hit. <laughs> uh, so I'm learning. Uh, I think what's cool about what Josh just shared is it's kind of an outward expression uh, of worship that he's sharing. This is what it looks like, right? I kind of want to take you to uh, an, uh, an idea of what the inward expression of worship would, would actually be. And uh, in my experience, I've, I've been doing this for 20, about 20 years now um, on staff at churches and, like Josh mentioned, traveling to various places and had the opportunity to, to, to lead others in worship. But even after all these years, I still find myself wondering, questioning certain things like, you know, what, what is worship? I don't know if you're with me on, on that, but... Uh, are you with me? <laughs> no, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm learning from the best, so I gotta, I gotta use that every time. Uh, but anyway, I, if you've ever had that question in your heart where you're just like, man, what is this? We, we say worship, but what does that mean? Or when you learn what worship means, you, know, you, you think to yourself, well, what does an effective worshiper of God look like? Um, I still find myself asking these questions and, and wondering about these things, and I think to keep it simple is worship to me and, and the way I see it um, is that it's an expression that allows us to connect deeper with God. It's an expression that allows us to connect deeper with God. Um, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's so many things we could talk about when it comes to worship. There's so many passages in the Bible that we could focus on. Uh, I remember last night just thinking about different things and just like, man, what are we going to share? You know, there's, there's a lot. Um, I thought to myself, let's, let's keep it simple. Let's keep it simple. Because if we go too complicated with it, we can miss it. It could just go over our heads. There's this guy, old guy. He's gone now. French philosopher named Pascal. He, he proposed this idea. He says that we all have a God-shaped hole in our heart. Okay. Then way before that, a theologian named St. Augustine, he uh, said these words. He says, God... You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Worship is an expression that allows us to connect deeper with God. How do we do that? I think, uh, like I said, there's many passages that could help us uh, with this insight or with this question, this wondering that we have, but I'd like for us to go to John 4, 23 and 24. Um, there's a set of verses here that, I, that I'm going to read. They're on the screen. You can follow along with me. And then I'm going to give you a little bit of context to these verses. It says this. A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kinds of worshipers that the Father speaks, seeks. Sorry. God is spirit, 
and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. So what does that mean? Again, let's go to the context of this verse to understand a little bit deeper what it means. If I'm honest, I've read this passage. It's John 4. And then I've read this part that we just read, John 4, 23 and 24. And I've had a hard time for the whole journey of faith that I've been on to understand the connection between the two. Even last night, I was like, God, what does this mean? I'm talking about it tomorrow. <laughs> and I, I really think like the Holy Spirit just you know, made it simple, helped me understand the connection between this. Here's the story. The story goes, Jesus is at a place at about 12 o'clock noon. It's really hot. He's very tired. He needs a drink of water. It's a well. He finds a woman there who's a Samaritan woman. He's a Jew. They're not supposed to interact. He asks her for a drink of water, and she says, hey, don't you know we're not supposed to talk to each other? He says, you know, if you knew who was asking you for a drink of water, you would have done it. But not only that, you would have asked me for a drink, and I would have given you water, water that is like a spring that bubbles up inside of you, that quenches your thirst, your inner thirst, and it leads you to eternal life. And you're like, what? You're thinking Jesus is there. He's asking for water. It's, he's asking for literal, physical water. And she's thinking, yeah, you, you need water. I have something to draw water with. She says, well, what water are you talking about? Because you don't have anything to draw the water that you're talking about with. So he says to her, you know, a few things about her life. He actually speaks into her life in that moment. Read it for yourself. She then's like, oh, I think you're talking about something else other than physical water. I think you're talking about a spiritual topic here. He's like, are you a prophet? She asks him. She doesn't even realize she's talking to the very son of God, God incarnate here on earth. She's having an encounter with God, and she's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> and so he does. He speaks into her life, and she asks a few questions. She's like, well, what does true worship really look like? What is it? to become a worshiper. What You guys say it's there, we say it's here. And he responds with these words. He says, there's going to be a time. Hey, actually, it's now here. He says, when the true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. And these are the kind that the Father seeks. Why? Because God is spirit. And the worshipers that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. What does it mean that God is spirit? What does it mean that he's offering her water? Let's make that connection. When you think about the water that he's offering her, it has multiple benefits. He's saying, you'll never thirst again. You'll never thirst again. It's going to be like this spring that bubbles up within you, and it takes you to a place of eternal life. Uh, I've, heard it, I've heard it said like this. A person can survive 40 days without food. 40 days. I've never tried it, but I'm just going to take someone's <laughs> word for it. <laughs> three days without water. Three days without water. About eight minutes without oxygen. Have you tried that? Longest I can go is about 30 seconds, probably. <laughs> Apparently, someone can survive eight minutes without air. But not for a second without hope. And my argument to us and my encouragement this morning is that I believe that the only hope that is a prevailing hope can come from God. 
again, says, God, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. So what water is Jesus speaking of? I think he's speaking of a, a spiritual type of water. I think he's connecting it to his spirit. Let's go to this other passage. It's in, um, well, actually, they don't have it back there, but I'll go with you in my mind. <laughs> it's in Ephesians 2. And, and, and Paul here, he says to the church, he says, hey, do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. There's an implication there that the Spirit is like fluid, like water. Um, I don't know if any of the side note, any of you guys have seen people who have been filled with wine or influenced by wine. I know you guys are all Christians, so no one can raise their hands. Uh, but we've seen it. We've seen it in movies. We've seen it in TV. We've seen it other places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was on the internet one time. It was on the internet one time. I saw it too. It was a YouTube video. And uh, you, you see how they react. They, they react different. They be begin to become influenced by that fluid. And I think, side note, I think it's also saying there's an influence you can live under, a power you can live under, which is similar to the filling of wine, but not that. The filling of not earthly things, but spiritual things, the spirit. So as we continue to process that, think of the spirit as water but it's a spiritual type of water it's a, it's a water that quenches our deepest longing that fills our hole that hole in the heart of the human and i uh and i'd like to to continue you know thinking about the second half of it first half is says he seeks worshipers who worship in spirit what's the other half in truth uh, thinking of this word truth maybe something that helps us understand the word truth is to come up with a few other words, maybe. Uh, honesty. Honesty, that's kind of a synonym of truth. Um, authenticity. Authenticity. What do I think it's saying here? What, what can we learn from this passage? What is God looking for? Is he looking for, let's say, the opposite of those words? A fake person? An inauthentic worshiper? Is he looking for a false, you know, worshiper? I don't think so. I think he's saying I'm looking for an authentic, truthful, honest worshiper. What does that look like? I think it's so easy for us to come to church sometimes. And we have this sort of idea that coming to church means presenting our best self. We grew up in this community. Sometimes this community, it's like, man, wear your Sunday best. And you go to church, and you're supposed to wear your Sunday best. You're supposed to look your Sunday best. And then you're also not supposed to make a peep. I don't know if you guys grew up in a church like that, or else mama will eat. My mom's back here, not her, though. <laughs> she never did that. But She should have a little bit more. Oh, come on. Uh, but the reality is, you know, speaking of authenticity, we come with this sort of idea that to come and gather together as believers, followers of Jesus Christ, we need to put on a different self than who we really are. I would argue that God is not seeking that kind of worshiper. I would argue that he's seeking a worshiper who is truly just who they are. And, uh, and then let's go a little, a little bit further with this. Um, 
you could you could see it probably in in people when you, when you think about it this way. Have you ever invited someone to church and then they say to themselves, uh, I think I'll go when I feel better about myself. I think I'll go when I clean myself up a little bit before God. And you're like, wait, what? I don't know. Maybe that's not the kind of worshiper God's looking for. But but let's go a little further. Maybe you don't identify with that. Maybe you identify with this. It shows up in this way. You're, you're coming to church. The worship leader in this case, Mary, says, hey, would you lift your hands and worship to the Lord? Would you just... Show them a sign of surrender this morning. As a small child raises their hands to their father, just lift your hands to the Lord. And then you say to yourself, I don't know about that. I don't know what people around me are going to think about me. And you are tempted to put on an inauthentic expression of worship. In that moment, you keep your hands in your pocket. Maybe you like your hands in your pocket. Maybe that's your true worship to the Lord. I don't know. But there's this idea of raising our hands to God. And it does something really powerful when we do that. But because of our inhibitions, our inauthentic self sometimes, we refrain from a deeper expression of worship to God. So what do we do with all of this? We need God to pour himself into us. And yet there's another element missing. It's like, he asked the woman, he's like, will you pour me a drink? And this woman, if you read the story, she's a broken woman. If you read the story, she's a lot like some of us. And he's asking for a drink from her. Could it be that God is asking for you to pour something out to him? Go with me. There's a, there's a verse in Psalm 62.8. It's beautiful because it encourages us to trust says that trust in God at all times. Pour, again that word, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. What does it mean to pour out your hearts to him? Again, I think we're so tempted to come to church sometimes with this idea that we need to be better than we are. I don't think that's the way God wants to relate to us. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, <clears throat> in my life, I'm like, man, I've gone through some really great moments, but I've also gone through some really deep valleys. And I think when I you know, think about, like, I get emotional because when I think about those deep valleys, I, I'm also tempted to hold back. One, one of those valleys for me was... Uh, Uh, six months ago, my, my father passed away. And coming to this place sometimes was a challenge. Yeah, it's just like, I don't want to get emotional. I'm like, you guys don't deserve it. Just kidding. <laughs> But the reality is it's like, man, it's like life hits you a certain way sometimes. And, and, and it's so tempting to hide who you truly are from God. I'm not asking you to present it in front of everybody all the time. That's probably not healthy either. But it says pour your heart, 
Pour your heart out to him, for he is a refuge in time of need. I've seen God be that refuge in my life. But it's never come through an expression that is inauthentic. It's never come through faking my way in my relationship with God. It's always come when I've come to my senses and I've just said, God, this is who I truly am. I need you. And so there's this analogy. Speaking of water, speaking of the spirit pouring himself into us, speaking of uh, water in, in, in our life, maybe even as the woman at the well pouring out a drink to the Lord. Weird, but yeah, he wants that. That I think for me has helped me in my expression of worship. It's helped me because um, it gives me a vis- visual picture of what it might look like. You know, it gives me an understanding of what the inner workings of my heart might be doing in this moment. So if you go with me to this station of science. <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll see two containers here. One container represents God. Another container represents our life, our heart. Uh, there's water in both. One represents maybe our spirit, you know, the things that we carry on and the way that we take on life and how we relate to it. Maybe the other represents um, the spirit of God. It's water. It's a little bit bigger. He's bigger. (laughs) Read into it however you want. Because honestly, I think the spirit of God can actually give you the words that you need to understand from this analogy more than I can. And in life, I've got some food coloring here. We all go through experiences that color our life in a certain way. Good ones, but some bad ones as well. And, uh, and in life, if we're not careful, these experiences can begin to taint us and change our true identity of who God created us to be. And as we experience these different things, it might have been a a mistake we made it might have been a failed relationship it might have been the death of a father it might have been anything even just that didn't happen in a way that it should have happened but happened and as these experiences come into our life again they begin to color our life in a certain way and what i believe god wants for us to do is for us to pour out who we are just as we are um, and to be renewed by him as we pour our hearts out in worship to him. It's so tempting. I'm going to tell you this. I think this helps me to understand a few things, but this part of the analogy, it's so tempting to try to do it in your own strength, to try to change your life, to try to walk better in this life in your own strength. And we do it in this way. It's like, wow, there's color in there. Mm, there's bitterness here. <laughs> there's unforgiveness. Oh, I better just muster up the right strength and get it out. <laughs> oh, I made it worse. You know what I'm saying? There's an addiction there. It's like, oh, I better just pretend like it's not there and really, you know, try harder and you make it worse. I really think that in worship and through worship, the better way to relate to God 
is to allow God to pour himself into us as we pour out our hearts before him. This is all we have to do is we just have to say, God, this water is disgusting. It looks like pee. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> and as we do that, we position ourselves in a way. We're opening ourselves in a way to allow his spirit to pour back into us. And as he does that, something new happens. For instance, as we pour our heart to God, when we need a sense of satisfaction, it says this in Psalm 16, 10. It says, you fill me with joy in your presence. He fills you with joy. As you pour out your heart, weary and tired as it is sometimes to God, you receive strength from him as he pours into you and he says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. As you pour out your fears to the Lord, you receive a sense of courage and bravery for the battle. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God is with you. As you have maybe shame in your life that you're just like, it's not good enough. Still not good enough. Pour that out before the Lord. And he says in Psalm 103, it says, he forgives you of all your sin and he cleanses you of all your iniquities. And lastly, as you pour out your anxiety, sometimes a lot of us are carrying anxiety and we don't even realize it. You just need to pour it out to God. You got to say, God, I'm anxious about this. Yeah. It says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and petition, present your request to God. It says, and the God of peace, which transcends all understanding, he'll guard your hearts and your minds. Your hearts and your minds. A heart of worship. He'll guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's the good news. That's the good news that's worked for me in my life. It's not been perfect. Look, the water still looks a little yellow. It's not perfect. We're not perfect. But that's okay. God accepts us. He loves us just as we are. And he's renewing us. He's changing us. As we pour out our hearts to him, he pours himself into us. That's worship. Why do we hold back? There's no point of holding back. There's no point of being fake. If you're fake, you can't change. You can't be renewed. That's the kind of worshiper the Father seeks. One who worships in spirit and in truth. Would you pray with us? Well, we all stand team's going to lead us in one more song and um, maybe for you that's it right now is you're going to just say hey I got some things I need to pour out and let God pour himself back into you so they're going to lead us in an opportunity to do that but let me pray for you before we do it God we love you and we thank you for these words and this truth Lord we ask that right now you just help us draw near to you help us pour out the things Lord that we've been carrying for too long Lord like Daniel said, we can't do it all on our own. We can't do it by our own might, but Lord, you can. So pour in, Lord, as we pour out to you. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. When the music fades And all is stripped away And I simply come Longing just to breathe 
something that's of worth that'll bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required you search much deeper You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship When it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the It's all about you, Jesus, King of endless words. No one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, and all I have is yours, every you more. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself. It's not what you have required. You search much deeper, Lord. You search much deeper within. Sing it out. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you and nothing else. And nothing else. And nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. And nothing else, and nothing else, nothing else will do. Pour out your heart. I just want you. Sing it to him. And nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. 
just want me more and nothing else and nothing else nothing else will do I'm coming back that line nothing else will do that's what Jesus was speaking of too with the woman at the well he's saying like if you knew who I was you would have asked for a different kind of water because what I would be able to offer it it satisfies you forever and ever and uh Memorial Day weekend um or we came back a little bit after Memorial Day, but it was kind of our first heat wave that we had a couple weeks ago, and it was just crazy hot outside, and our driveway's getting uh, redone, and so there's a ton of gravel and dust, and our, our yard doesn't really have any grass. We just moved in, and so I'm getting that all restarted. And so I was mowing, and it's dusty, and it's crazy, and I remember a few times I went in for a different drink. There's like this green tea drink I like, and so I was like, oh, I'm gonna hammer that quick. It's so hot out here. And I did that, and then I was just, went back outside, and I was like, gosh, I'm still so thirsty. I'm talking like the thirsty, like, you know, when you gotta walk back from the beach all the way up the dune steps, and you're just like, so thirsty. So it wasn't the tea, and I was like, oh man, that's a bummer. So then I like cracked a soda and drank that, and that didn't work. I was like, I need ice water. You know what I'm talking about. You can, you can try all these other things, but I'm talking like ice cold. You feel it going all the way down. I mean, you know, that's a good drink, right? Like ice cold water. That's what Jesus is saying. Hey, I got something that will satisfy. It will hit. And, and so all throughout the week, we're going to try to go to Netflix. We're going to try to go to all the other things to drink from. And God's like, no, I gave you worship. Go pour yourself out and take a drink. So when, when all the crazy things happen, and there's crazy things happening in this world, Run, run to a place that the drink is going to satisfy. Nothing else will do. Let's make sure we live in that heart of worship and drink from what matters. Amen?